Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. And on today's show, we've got something a little different. This is one of two episodes we're releasing with the candidates for mayor of Houston. Incumbent Sylvester Turner and trial lawyer Tony Busby are facing a runoff election December 14th. And I've invited both of them into the studio to talk not so much about their politics or platforms, but more about what they're like as people and to find out what events in their lives led them to seek public office. Jasper Scherer is the Chronicle's City Hall reporter. He's been covering the election and has done deep dives into both candidates. Jasper is here with me, and we're about to sit down with mayoral hopeful Tony Busby. Jasper, you've been spending a lot of time around this guy. What's his story? Where where did he come from? Tony is kind of this boisterous, very successful millionaire businessman, trial lawyer, who before he ran for mayor was probably best known for representing uh, Rick Perry at one point mm-hmm. and for kind of a string of um, high profile news incidents, including when he parked a, a World War II tank in front of his house. <laughs> um, and he'd only run for office once before. So during the campaign, he's kind of presented himself as this nonpartisan independent with ties to both parties, kind of casting his opponents as these partisan career politicians. That sort of shows how his, his background has kind of informed his approach to to the campaign. And on, you know, on the trail, Turner has tried his best to kind of tie Busby to Donald Trump, who Busby once famously hosted a fundraiser for. Mm-hmm. And the polls that we've seen show that a lot of Busby's support does come from Republicans and those with favorable views of Trump, despite Busby's best efforts to kind of cast himself as as being in the middle. So I think the major ongoing question for the runoff is, can Busby broaden his coalition of support beyond that kind of hardcore base that made up his his 28% in the first round? And so he's from a small town in East Texas. What is it called? Que- Queen City. Queen City. Yep. Okay. Right by the Arkansas border. Okay. And he grew up without without a lot. And so he's sort of a self-made guy. That's right. And, you know, that's also a big part of, you know, how he presents himself on the campaign trail. A lot of his stump speeches start with him talking about how his parents drove his school bus and worked as um, his dad was a meat cutter, kind of a a rags to riches classic, you know, rags to riches to millionaire tale. Mm -hmm. What office did he run for before? He ran for a state rep seat in 2002 um, around the the Galveston area. Okay. So I was watching his election night speech yesterday, and he was ebullient about the possibility that the race was headed to a runoff. Now, here we are just a few days before the vote. What do the polls say? Yeah, so in the first round, Turner finished with 47%, which was well ahead of of everyone else. Um, Busby finished with with 28, but uh, Turner needed a majority to win outright, so that's why we're in a runoff. 
you know, the runoff has been a lot quieter than the first round. There aren't any debates planned. The attack ads have been flying a lot less frequently. One notable development, I think, is that Busby has kind of changed his tone to focus more on trying to show voters he has this tangible policy vision for the city, less on going after Turner, which was kind of what defined his approach in the the first round, I would argue. From Turner's perspective, Busby is proposing these ideas that the city can't afford or that his office is already doing. So obviously there's uh, disagreement there, but that's kind of where things are at right now. Early voting is underway and the election is Saturday. All right. Like I said, we're not really going to get too in-depth into politics today, but um, I'll leave that to you. Works for me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And let's um, let's bring him in. Let's do it. Hey, Hello. Guys, how are you doing? What's going on, man? Um, how do we sound? Hi. You want me here? Hey. That'd okay. be great. Do I need these headphones or not? So normally when I do this, I do a intro and I'll probably do that afterwards. Okay. So we're mm. just going to kind of get into the questions. I actually wanted to, to be playing a song when you walked in because I figure every politician has a campaign song. A walk-in song. Is Do you this have one, one of those? They usually play Eye of the Tiger. Okay. But, you know, that's not really my song. My song is like uh, Long Live the Cowboy. What's that? Uh, it's uh, What's his name? A friend um, from Beaumont. Gosh, what's his name? It's on my phone. And he's a friend of mine. I went to the, the World Series with him last time. Clay Walker? Clay Walker from Beaumont. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he has this new album. It's like relatively what's... new called Long Live the Cowboy. Okay. Or Old Dirt Road, Brooks and Dunn. Yeah. But I also like Travis Scott. What about what about Old Town Road? Old Town. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I see, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm see? Still, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I can I can do that. I jammed with it for a long time. I've probably played it way too much. But I actually had this queued up. Oh, you did? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like my uh, generation. Yeah. Yours, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you Gen X? Yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. yeah. Campaign songs aside, another question I've been thinking about for a while is just your name. And mm-hmm. you've probably explained this a bunch of times, but where does Busby come from? It's English. Uh, at some point in my lineage, they misspelled it because it was B-U-S-B-Y. Mm. And my family immigrated many generations ago to Virginia and then made their way down to Arkansas, Alabama, Arkansas, and then finally Texas. And at some point in that, uh, you know, many generations when during the census or whatnot, I'm not sure how it all happened, but but I've, I've had records where it's spelled B-U-S-B-Y, and then at some point it started being spelled the way it sounds. Okay. And so your parents mm-hmm. were born here in, yeah. in the United States. Oh, yeah. My, uh, multiple generations here in, okay. in Texas, uh, but I've been able to trace uh, my family back all the way to England. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing that four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I learned that um, this is probably not good for for somebody running for office, but I learned that um, uh, in a place I forget the county in Alabama, but my great 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 grandfather was the oldest prisoner in the j- county jail for murder. He had murdered eleven people, um, <laughs> and I actually they they allowed me. They it's a museum now. They they opened it up for me because I was I had flown over there to see it, and they let me. S- sit and stand in his jail cell. Wow. Um, so, you know, I come from a long, long line of people who are kind of testy, if you will. Uh, my dad used to say, you know, I'll fight at the drop of a hat and I'll actually drop the hat. My great, great, great grandfather also committed a crime, of, uh, but he, it was in self-defense. He was exonerated. And then his son, the same, mm-hmm. exonerated. 
Uh, <laughs> what about your dad? No, my dad is not. not the, my, the, the best I can say about my dad, he wrestled a bear one time in Texarkana. They would bring a bear around, which is total animal abuse, but they would bring a bear around on a mm-hmm. chain. And you could pay 20 bucks to wrestle the bear. And oh, my dad gosh. wrestled the bear. And, uh, of course, the bear quickly dispatched him. And then um, his friend wrestled the bear, and the bear bit his friend's finger off. Yeah, these are things we don't talk about on the campaign trail, but these are true stories. Yeah. Um, I, when I was, uh, what I used to do as a child is uh, on Saturday morning, my dad would, uh, he would get up and say, get in the truck, son. And we would get in the truck and we would drive the old country roads and pick up beer cans mm-hmm. because my dad would use those and sell those for extra income. Yeah. And then he would always make his way to this bar about one o'clock and he would play pool for a couple hours. And I was like, 10. And so I would sit in the corner. They didn't mind a kid being in there. There was only two or three people in the bar. Yeah. And I would see multiple bar fights, sometimes with him, sometimes with other people. And I would just sit there and kind of just observe, observe these things. Yeah. What did you do in there? Like, did you have a book or did you have no, a No, I just game sat there or... and, and learned. <laughs> you wow. learned, learned how to about play life. pool, learned about life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you didn't expect that, did you? No, that's fascinating. Because <laughs> um, I, yeah, I wanted to ask you about your upbringing and I think everyone who's who pays attention to this kind of stuff mm-hmm. knows that you're from a really small town in East Texas. Very small. Yeah. And Everybody knew everyone. The two jobs in my hometown were either you worked at the paper mill mm-hmm. or you worked at the tire factory. And both of those jobs were about an hour outside of our town. Mm-hmm. My dad, of course, cut meat. And so he worked for Safeway. Mm-hmm. He was a union meat cutter, worked for 43 years. And then they Safeway shut down all of the stores in that Texarkana area. And so then he was without a job. And then later, even though he was union, uh, they cut his pension. And so he had to find another job. And yeah. he started working um, at a local grocery store, again, cutting meat, and did that uh, up until I hired him to manage my ranch. And that's what he does now. Oh, okay. Where's your ranch? Uh, in East, Northeast Texas, the same place where I grew up. Yeah, okay. I started buying land. When I started get, having some success in my business, I started buying land. I'm really, you, as you know, I'm all about real estate. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've got about 3,000 acres there, and my dad takes care of We have chickens there, and we have horses and, and cattle, and he manages all that. And so does your family go out there for vacations mm-hmm. or— We go there a couple of times a year. We go there every Thanksgiving. That's what I did this last Thanksgiving. We okay. have our extended family there and and have Thanksgiving dinner, and I cook and— you know, it's it's very rural. So your your father was a, a meat cutter. You don't mm-hmm. say butcher? No, because in the union, they didn't say butcher. Oh. It was very particular. In the union, they could say meat cutter. Okay. And he was a journey. I, I don't know what the term is, but same as a journeyman uh, mm-hmm. electrician. He was the top of being a meat cutter. And my mother drove our school bus, and she also worked in the cafeteria. Uh, at some point, she moved from cafeteria to we had a little snack bar that she managed yeah. at, at our school our school bus was uh, my my bus route we were the first stop and the last stop so she would park the bus in the front yard and so we'd have to get on the I'd have to feed the animals in the morning and then get on the bus about 5 30 and go to school and then uh, my dad let me play one sport uh, otherwise I had to work uh, he let me play football I did pretty well in that and um, but I wanted to play baseball I wanted to play you know track all this but but he required me to work, so I wasn't able to do that, mm-hmm. which kind of instilled in me, you know, uh, a really incredible uh, work ethic that I've tried to instill into my children. I wanted to go back real quick to the, you know, your mom worked in the school. She mm-hmm. was, she worked in the cafeteria. What was that like for you? And, 
you know, what did the other kids say about that? <laughs> um, well, you know, it, it certainly puts a damper on your love life. <laughs> oh, yeah? Why is that? Well, you think about it. Your mom is, has a hairnet on and she's slopping mashed potatoes <laughs> in the lunchroom line. But no, I mean, my mom is, I'm so close to her and she works so hard. And, and um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, obviously I'm, I think it's pretty clear I'm very, very close with my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also works for me. But no, it wasn't, it was, um, I mean, like I say, you know, in our little town, everybody was, you know, no, there was nobody that was wealthy. Okay. You know, I didn't know a lawyer. I didn't know an accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all the same. We were, um, the big thing was if somebody had a brick house, if you had a brick home, you were rich. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of how it was in my yeah. little hometown. So, what would you say was the point in your life you decided that you wanted to do something where you could make a lot of money? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't I wanted to make a lot of money. It's just I wanted to get out of that town. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Okay. Uh, my dad was unhappy. You could you could tell it every night when he came home. He was un- wasn't happy with his station in life. I knew I wanted to do something. I didn't know what. I remember when I went to my high school counselor and asked him about I want to go to college. He gave me a uh, an Air Force pamphlet, Air Force Academy pamphlet, which didn't tell me, hey, you need a congressional appointment. You need you know somebody to nominate you. Or I didn't know any of those things, right? And it was this one man in town who took an interest in me, who took me uh, to a football game at A and M. And you know, I'd never seen a Division One football game. I the only games I'd ever seen was the ones I'd played in in high school. And that's kind of then I decided, okay, I want to go to Texas A and M. For me, that was a really really big deal. Um, And I don't know why that man took an interest in me. I mean, he just uh, had seen me play football and called my mother on the phone and said, I want to take your boy to a football game. Um, You know, most most mothers now, when a 55-year-old man calls you and wants to take your 16-year-old son somewhere, you'd be very uh, reluctant to do so. But my mother was flattered and said, yeah, come pick him up, take him. Because I think she could see something in me. She knew I wanted that I was ambitious, but didn't really have any direction. Right. And so when I came back, then I started really trying to figure out, okay, I got to figure out how to get get to college. I want to go there. And I'd seen the Corps Cadets march in, and I'd talked to some of the people there. And he had told me about how he had uh, served in the military, and he went through the Corps Cadets. I applied for an ROTC scholarship, and I still remember opening my mailbox and, and having getting the letter that says, congratulations, um, you've been selected for an ROTC scholarship. It completely changed my—it happened at the end of my driveway— in front of my mailbox. And then, you know, after that, I remember, you know, um, my dad was re- very uh, pessimistic about being successful. Like, I don't know if you'll be able to, you know, do that. You know, he wanted me to try to uh, go work at the the uh, tire factory. But, I, you know, we took a chance. Uh, my mother drove me to College Station. The rest is, you know, history, if the, yeah. as they say. Tony, going back to your earlier point about kind of coming from a testy lineage, you've developed a reputation, I think, both in the courtroom and on the campaign trail of kind of thriving on confrontation, not mm-hmm. holding back on what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. Did you develop that character professionally? Were you like that growing up or was it kind of a, a combination? I think that's just my DNA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that's the way I am. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to, to uh, guess where I stand on most of the things, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward most of the time. Um, you know, I do hold my tongue sometimes, but um, at other times, I think it's important for people to know where, you know, where you stand on things. And um, uh, but I think that's just kind of uh, how my family is. I mean, we're very open with each other. We're very we're very expressive, um, emotional. That's just mm-hmm. that's how we are. 
Yeah. Do you think that's served you well on the campaign trail, that that approach? Uh, I think people appreciate uh, authenticity. I think they appreciate that. I think they appreciate people that are real. Too many times politicians are plastic. They're, they're, they're packaged. Um, they're worried about, you know, I can't say this. I can't say that. I got to be with this person. I got to see this person. I'm, I'm not into any of that. So back to young Tony. <laughs> You said a lot of your friends, you know, came came from the same mm-hmm. situation in life. Three of us went to college out of my class. How many people were in your class? I think we graduated 60. Okay. And there wow. were three of us. Uh, three of us intended to go to college, and I think more went later. Our school didn't offer calculus. Okay. And all three of us needed calculus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, one of the teachers volunteered to teach calculus at seven in the morning. So we would come to class at seven in the morning so we could take calculus uh, wow. to prepare our, ourselves for uh, for the colleges. One, one, one of my classmates went to UT, one went to Louisiana Tech, and I went to Texas A&M. And I think, you know, like I say, later, several other ones went to like Texas Tech College and places like that. But mm-hmm. that's that was our circumstance. So sounds like you were a bit of an overachiever, at least maybe— Toward the end, <laughs> were you uh, were you always I, a, a a good studious kid? No, no. I mean, I've always been a voracious reader. Okay. I mean, I used to read a book a week, kept a journal, um, wrote poetry. Haven't had a chance to do a lot this during this last ten months or so, but but was not a really good student because most of the things that that um, in the class pretty much bored me, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know. Um, I wouldn't say I was a discipline problem, but I would say that I was I was a rambunctious student. Okay. Your dad sounds like he was kind of a tough guy. <laughs> yeah. Was he was he tough on you? Was yeah, yeah. He... He's hard he's pretty hardcore. I mean he still is now. I mean he's seventy five and still the same way. He still has that fighting spirit and um yeah, he he you know, he made me work. Mm-hmm. You know, he he made me work. We always had a you know, during the season we always had a garden. Uh, we, we had a hundred hogs. Mm-hmm. We raised every vegetable you can think of. He, he expected as the oldest son, he expected me to work. And I think, you know, that served me well. So what was the worst thing you did as a, as a kid? The worst thing? Yeah. Are you saying like, <laughs> I could read that in a lot of different <laughs> ways. I just mean like something that you got punished for. I oh, remember, I like, remember in ninth grade, I snuck out with two of my friends, and we thought we were so cool. We yeah. snuck out and we forgot to bring the key. So when we came back at two in the morning or whenever, well, we I had to a, ring the doorbell. I got a whole list of those kind of things, but <laughs> um, I did. You know, I did sneak out of class, and me and my buddy threw rocks in the back of the gym and broke the window, and then took one of those old uh, seesaws, those wooden seesaws, yeah. those things. And put it up to the window and then crawled into the back of the gym uh-huh. and joined the PE class of another school. Um, <laughs> and then the, this was back when there was corporal punishment. Uh, back even yeah. before they were paddling you with wood, they were whipping you with a belt. Mm. And I remember the— In uh, school. The, yeah, yeah. The, um, <laughs> the principal whipped me with a belt for that. I know that's shocking, right? But this was some years ago in a rural town. So yeah. Well, so my my understanding is that your football team in high school was had a kind of a long run of futility, and then you got there, and they kind of got back to mediocrity by the end. <laughs> Mediocre at best. Do, but yeah. do you remember kind of that what it was like being on the team, and maybe that slow journey up to getting a little bit better? Yeah, <laughs> too bad we can't say we were champions, right? We did. We broke even. We had always been, you know, oh and whatever, and you know, uh, 
the, the coolest thing about my high school football uh, history was was we were we were two A, which is very small, and for whatever reason we moved up to three A, and in the same year Atlanta Texas was, had been four A, they moved down to three A. So for the first time ever, Atlanta was going to play Queen City. And there were there were like four thousand people at the game, which is more people than in our hometown. Mm-hmm. And um, it was you know I, we went out on the field and it was like oh my god this is like the biggest thing ever. Um, and we tied them. Wow. Uh, which you know was a really huge deal. We didn't beat them. We kept saying we beat them because we had more so called you know penetrations into their twenty yard line, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I don't, I'm not certainly going to suggest that I had anything to do with us having any success. I mean, I scored touchdowns, but but because of my what I, only thing I would say is because of uh, my performance, that man Billy Hill took an interest in me. I think that's what you know. He had watched me play and took an interest in, and uh, that's really the the was I would say the defining moment of my life. Him taking an interest in me and taking me to a football game. Is he still around? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's still around. When's the last time you talked to him? Uh, we They named a building after me uh, probably in 2015, and I invited him to Texas A&M campus mm-hmm. and, um, and told him, I think probably for the first time ever, that, hey, man, you, you completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Completely changed my life. He didn't have to do that. I don't know what it was that made him do that. You know, you got to, you know, sometimes a, a hand up uh, is quite helpful. So one last question about high school. So silly question, but if you're in your high school yearbook, I don't know if you guys had a yearbook or not, but yeah, yeah. if if there we was did a, have that. Okay. If there was a um most likely two category, what would what would yours be? Most <laughs> likely two. Actually I was voted something. I just don't remember what it was. You don't remember? I honestly don't remember. I don't think I mean obviously the three of us going to college, so it, you know, the people knew that I was People knew how I was, you know, the same way. I'm not not changed any. You were ambitious. Yeah. Okay. I want to switch to real estate for a second. Okay. Because um, as I reminded you, as you came in today, several years back, we chatted because you had just purchased a house in River Oaks. Mm -hmm. You sold your house in Friendswood or it was- a while, but yeah. Yeah. It was on the market Mm -hmm. and moved into arguably the, you know, the best the best street, the best neighborhood in town, <laughs> River Oaks Boulevard in, in River Oaks. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like to go from the suburbs to this super exclusive neighborhood? You know, I don't, it's not much different, to be honest. I mean, um, River Oaks, you, you, you know who your neighbors are, but you don't know your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, there's no interaction, whatever. Um, in Friendswood, um, it's kind of the same thing. I didn't really, you know, we we had a pretty big spread there, so we really didn't have uh, any neighbors, if you will. But but we had a lot of friends. We had I had been wanting to move into town because the the commute driving to downtown um, every day wears on you. And my office is is in the Chase Tower, and so I had been trying to convince my wife for many years, let's move into town. And I, I think the the same challenge that many people face who want to live closer to where they work is where is it that I can live that my kids can go to a good school? Right. I think that's probably the number one consideration that people have when they're thinking about relocating uh, if they have children. We had been on a vacation and I don't know what the mood hit her or what, but she, we were sitting having coffee and she said, 
you know, I would consider moving downtown. And I said, be careful what you ask for, because, you know, you know how I am. I'll make, I'll make it happen. And so, you know, I went and looked at two or three houses and uh, I looked at, you know, I looked at the various areas uh, across Houston and that particular house was available. And I mean, we, we had an offer on that house within seven days of her saying that. Mm-hmm. I don't see it being any, I mean, it's more high profile. You know, people know where right. you live. Uh, I've considered moving because of that, because every day almost there's somebody either driving by yelling, uh, you know, Tony, TB or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, or people trying to get into my gate to ask me, you know, to donate to this cause or that cause. And so, you know, I, I probably should move somewhere that's a little, you know, less known. In moving, you took a, a cut in the amount of land you owned and mm-hmm. you're just being from East Texas, being used to sort of being out in, in the open, having all this acreage. I mean, has that been an, an adjustment for you to just not you know, not really space? because not really because River Oaks um, like I say you know you you literally never see your neighbors you never see them um, I would like to know I mean I know who they are I know who right. who lives you know all around me I can do you know Google HCAD or whatnot yeah. just like anyone else but no I mean we're 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 pretty you know it's gated um, I know, mean did I'll, you think it would be more open did you think okay well the houses are a little close more close what I was really thinking about the most, th- and just like most parents, the one thing I was thinking about is, is I, we had a family meeting, and I always let my children uh, have a say in what we're going to do, and we had a vote, mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, you're going to, you know, because my daughter at the time was was going to be a junior, uh, she was right in the smack dab middle yeah. of her high school career. Uh, my son was going into his freshman year. Of course, I have two two younger kids." That was my biggest concern: mm-hmm. is where could, where can we go to school? Where are they willing to go to school? You know, whether it be Lamar or some kind of private school, uh, I let them choose. And they all decided they wanted to go to the same school. Okay. Uh, they wanted to, uh, like the two youngest ones decided they wanted to go to one school and the two oldest ones wanted to go to another one. And that's the biggest, and I think that's the biggest consideration of most people moving. I, for me, it was a convenience. Now it's, you know, when I go to work, it's eight minutes right down Allen Parkway. You know, I know it's 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 high profile, uh, but the truth is, it's just, it's just, for me, it's just, you know, I use probably two rooms in my house. I use the kitchen and I use my study and, and then I go to sleep at night. But I don't really need a big, I like the tiny house movement, to be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of cool. You ready to move into 500 maybe, square feet? Maybe so. <laughs> I mean, I, my our entire, uh, raising our children our entire time, we we RV'd. We would go oh, okay. on a long RV trips, sometimes 30 days at a time, mm-hmm. living in a small RV. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. I think it's just really cool. Do you still do that? Not now. My kids yeah. are. One of my my daughter is lives in New York City now. She's trying to be a, a Broadway actress. Okay. My son works lives lives in an apartment here in Houston and goes to uh, is going to go to U of H and um, so it's kind of you know thing you know how kids grow up and things change. But all throughout their growing up, we we were RVers. We would camp all over the country and Canada. Uh, something we really enjoyed. So did your kids go to public school? They did, and friends, what they did when they got up here, they they did not. All right, and then uh, one more thing about River Oaks. You're right down the street from the River Oaks Country Club. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful, <laughs> exclusive place. Uh-huh. Uh, you member? Uh, no, no, I'm no, I'm not a member. I've never applied, and I don't anticipate I will apply. Why is that? Uh, well, first off, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of rejecting me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, as last I looked, there were 13 people on the board. 
Uh-huh. And I know at least two, and, and you can, I think you can reject somebody by private vote. And I already know that two of those people would never allow me to go in there. Okay. Never, which is fine. I mean, I'll go to, I'll, you know, I can play tennis elsewhere and, you know, I can, I can go to a gym. Sure. Whatever. Just one last question politically. Um, looking back on your campaign, kind of knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done done differently I probably would have started later. Probably wouldn't have started so soon because um, it, it gave it gave the mayor, the current mayor, a chance to to pull the old Trump card on me. But other than that, no, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have done anything any differently. I think we're 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 poised right now. We're poised to win, um, and we'll do an after action report. And we'll do you know like I do on everything. Every case I try, we sit down and we talk about things that we could have done better. And things that went well and keep notes on that, but probably wouldn't have started in December, to be honest. I think that um, three or four months there, people just weren't paying attention. And so probably wasn't necessary to start uh, more than a year out. But other than that, I will say this, our name ID when we started was about, which is strange, despite, you know, um, with newspaper articles about your house and Mm -hmm. other stuff, our name ID was less than 5% when we started. Of course, now it's 95%. Um, so there's that, I guess, for starting early. And do you see this as the potential start of a political career? Or is this kind of just a one-time deal only mm. running for mayor? I, I I don't think I'm doing this anymore. I mean, um, uh, when I win, will I do it two terms? I don't even know that. Depends on how much we can get done in four years. I see myself working. I mean, I, um, I, I, I started out on this because I wanted to really do something different for the city. Uh, to really do something different, not to start a political career of, you know, ultimately going to the governor's mansion or any of that foolishness. Um, and if the people, you know, think that I'm not the man for the job, then you know what? I, I'll go back to the job I have because I do pretty well at it. Should we do a lightning round? We shall. We do something here on Looped In at mm-hmm. the end of all of our interviews, which is... Are you going to talk about my favorite color or something like that? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of silly, but um, it usually it usually can be can be fun and, mm-hmm. and somewhat telling about right. people. So, are you game? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, Jasper, you want to start? Sure. What's your favorite Houston building? I like the Bank of America building. I like the architecture of the gothicness of it. But I'm in Chase Tower, and the inside of that is really good. I mean, I know a lot of their buildings, so because I like architecture. Remember the, I don't know what's called now, Wells Fargo building? Is that what it's called now? Or it used to be called the First Interstate Building. I really mm-hmm. like that building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess if I had to, if I were forced to choose, I'd probably choose the Bank of America building, which I think is being renamed yes. as we speak. Right, because yeah. Bank of America building is now next door yeah. at the new yeah. the new tower yeah. with the yeah. understory right. food court. Yeah. All right. So I I should have said lightning round means lightning fast answers. Well, that was pretty fast. <laughs> Are you saying you you could hold me to one answer? One answer. But I love real estate. And I love architecture. So okay. Favorite Houston neighborhood. Hmm. Well, I really like the East End. Huh. I tell you why because I love first off the restaurants there and I love uh, their farmers market or their that they're doing on that esplanade there. I don't yeah, know if you've seen on navigation. It. really cool on navigation. Yeah. yeah. I think right. that's a really cool place. Best place in Houston to go for a walk? Um, Memorial, Memorial Park. Uh, of course, a lot of people drive over to River Oaks and walk there as well. Uh, I like walking. I, this is, I know, not lightning, but I'm just yeah, telling you. Yeah, 
Really? I, I ride my bike or walk sometimes all the way downtown through Buffalo Bayou, too. That's a yeah. really nice place. That answers my next question. Bayou or Bayo? Bayou, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I am a Texan, you know. Favorite musical artist? Oh, right now, I'm going to have to say Kanye West because I like his latest album. Uh, I think the the thing that um, that Joel Osteen did was was brilliant. I mean, I just can't, can't imagine him bringing Kanye West to his church service, but uh, I like his album. I like the gospel part of it. I think it's cool. You didn't go, did you? My son did. No, I didn't go. Yeah. My son went to both. He went to the morning service and to the concert and all. Wow. Okay, so favorite fine artist? Oh, Cecily Brown right now is probably my favorite. Uh, an English uh, modern painter, contemporary artist. Um, but if I had to go back, <laughs> I have a lot of art. You got to cut me some slack. I'm an art person. You know that. You should I, come to my house I and do, check it out. No, it's like I, a museum. I do know that. And yeah. it's, um, it's funny because you've got contemporary art and you've got the old, old, yeah. Renaissance art. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, but, but right now I think, uh, like, like what's trending, Cecily Brown, uh, that's probably what I'm, I'm in the market right now to buy some more art. Okay. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Definitely. I don't drink either one. I drink iced tea. How about that? that works. I'm not really a coffee person anymore. I quit doing that. I lost, I lost 57 pounds. I stopped drinking coffee. That's not the reason I lost 57 pounds, but right. I stopped drinking coffee. Okay. Beer or wine? Oh, definitely wine. I do not do beer. Favorite ethnic restaurant in Houston? Ooh, uh, crawfish and noodles. Hmm. This is is really excellent. I also like. Uh, can I? I can't keep going. Okay. Give okay. Give me a couple more. Well, everyone loves food. Hugo's is an acquired taste for me. Okay. But I've acquired it sure. finally. All right. Uh, favorite book when you were a kid. Uh, Treasure Island. Uh, Don't get the black bean. Urban or suburban? Urban now for sure. Next vacation. <sighs> We've been talking about that. Probably going to go to Italy. Uh, well, it depends on what happens in this election. If we win, which I think we will, we won't go anywhere. But if we don't, probably going to go to Italy for a while. Favorite reality show? Uh, 90 Day Fiance. <gasps> Such a really? show. Yes. Before the 90 Days? I like Before the 90 Days. I watch every one of them. <gasps> this is the best guilty pleasure there is. It is. I watch every single one. Before the 90 Days, 90 Day Fiance, Where Are They Now? Wow. I watch uh, Life After Lockup. <gasps> Are you wow. kidding me? Wow. Okay. All, that stuff. Yeah. all right. Um, great place to end. Any other any other <laughs> well, this questions? This is going to now, the headline, <laughs> Jasper, the headline, Buzzy watches 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> yeah, I have one last question. Uh, can you tell us what happened in 1980? Uh, no, I won't. Not now. I will at some point. Okay. We'll wait on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Jasper, thank you for being here with of me. Course. And Tony Busby, thank you so much as well. We really appreciate it. I hope you hope you had fun. Hope it gave you some insight to my nuttiness. Definitely. It did. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, thanks to you as well. And remember, if you don't already, please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, please reach out. I'm on Facebook and Twitter at nsarnoff. Jasper, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash uh, is my username. Great. Until next time, thanks for listening. Adios. Yes.